Well, markets were calming down a bit today as Putin suggested talks would continue, but we've seen a swift reversal on that position late in New York trade as images circulate of Russian troops on the move, with Boris Johnson saying in the last few hours it could all kick off within the next 48 hours, and the US is closing its embassy in the Ukrainian capital. But also, more focus on central banks again this morning, with the Fed's James Bullard again calling for a front-loading of hikes because the policy is out of sync with the economy, he says. Why? Because well, inflation continues to be a problem the world over. So what will U.S. producer prices show today? If they are up, we know inflation isn't on its way down for a while. It's Tuesday, the 15th of February, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. So what a morning, a quarter percent lift in the US dollar on the DXY index. We've got a small fall in the Aussie dollar, a 0.3% fall in the pound and a 0.4% drop in the euro. It's around $1.13 now, which is where it spent a good deal of 2019 when it was Donald Trump that was creating the headwinds, not Vladimir Putin. Bond yields have come bouncing back in the US. Ten-year Treasury yields uh, have been uh, on a bit of a journey, actually, falling, then rising 11 basis points, all in the one session. They're now up five basis points on yesterday. In Europe, ten-year bond yields are down one basis point. Ten-year gilts are up four. And shares have also been on a bit of a journey this morning. The Nasdaq has bounced back. Then it fell late in the session on the news of the Russian movements as that gained traction. But then it came back and it's finishing slightly up, whereas the Dow is down 0.4%, the S&P losing 0.3%. That's all followed big falls in European equities, including a 2% drop in the DAX and a 1.7% fall in the FTSE 100. And oil lurches ever higher. Brent over $96 now with a 1.7% increase this morning. A lot of that in the last few hours. WTI veering towards $95 with a 2% increase. Gold is up 1% hitting its highest level for the year so far. So a mixed morning. And look, we have no definitive answer over Ukraine. Uh, Let's kick off with the Ukraine, with Ray Atrell from NAB in Sydney. You know, look, for, for a moment it looked like there might have been a way out because the Ukrainian ambassador to uh, the UK, Vadim Pristeko, uh, said that there was a chance that they would shelve the idea of NATO membership. But it, it looks like he has backtracked on that now. So, it, well, it looked like stalemate. Putin was there saying that they're going to continue talking. Uh, and so that calmed markets a little bit. And yet the turnaround that we've seen uh, in the last few hours of trade towards the end of the, the day in New York is because traders have been circulating satellite images showing Russian troops leaving their assembly points, possibly to attack positions. So until then, markets are a bit calmer. They're factored in much more risk again now. So we really are back to wondering about where we go next, aren't we? No, we are. But anyway, good morning, Phil. Yes. And uh, ultimately, if, you know, if you want to, the end game, you know, in this whole saga is either very bad or it is, you know, something surrounding commitments from, you know, NATO countries that uh, Ukraine will not be uh, a member of um, of NATO and that um, therefore the prospect of Russia having troops parked on its border uh, indefinitely will go away, which is really what this effectively boils down to, doesn't it? Um, but yeah, looking at markets, we've certainly had a, a turnaround in the New York afternoon, as you say, a very poor um, European day that followed a pretty poor day for most Asian stocks yesterday. But the thing that caught my eye, just sort of catching up on the news this morning, were, um, as you've mentioned it to some extent, but Sergei um, Lavrov, the, um, the Russian foreign minister, doing some sort of staged TV debate with uh, 
Vladimir Putin saying that uh, he supports diplomatic um, efforts with the West, to which um, Vladimir Putin is uh, uh, says, all right. So um, I think that's given the market uh, some comfort, certainly in relation to the reports that obviously caused, you know, Friday's big, big sell off that uh, those sort of supposed intelligent reports that um, the Russian incursion into Ukraine w- was imminent and, and prior to the uh, to the end of the winter. Well, sounds like it might be imminent if we're getting these moves happening this morning. But look, before that, I mean, it looked like uh, that the focus was getting a bit more back onto central banks. You know, we're back to seeing yield curves flattening two years at 1.6%. We had uh, quite a leap today on those. A, a month ago, the, the two five-year spread was 59 basis points. That's 33. There's only eight points between five and 10 years. So uh, a lot of flattening going on. And yet, are we actually any clearer on what the Fed will do this year? They still don't know themselves, obviously. And we, you know, we're hearing mixed messages. <coughs> no, we are. Obviously, we've had uh, we've had James Bullard, um, you know, who caused uh, quite a lot of eruptions, didn't he, at the end of last week with his call for 100 basis points of Fed tightening by July, implying yeah. you know, not just back to back meetings in the uh, the next three FOMC affairs, but one of them being by, by 50 basis points. He's reiterated that call in an interview with, with CNBC in the last few hours. So, um, yeah, you know, he seems to have the ante on that, doesn't he? I mean, he's basically saying, yeah, the bank's credibility is on the line. We've got to front load these hikes. And yeah, 1%, as you say. Uh, so, uh, yeah, he's, he's not backing down. That's he's not backing down. And we've had Esther George, who traditionally has been regarded as one of the more hawkish um, FOMC members, uh, Kansas, uh, Kansas Fed uh, president, has also been out sort of saying that she hasn't made up her mind. So sh- certainly she's not pushing back um, aggressively against that thought and you know i think that the important point is that markets are back so so we went out last week partly because of this sort of safe haven bid uh, under the u.s treasury market that spilled into money markets and we've gone from you know almost 100 percent pricing for 50 basis points sort of last thursday to barely 50 50 for 50 basis points but the moves that we've seen overnight have pushed that I think there's something like 41 basis points of timing priced in for the March meeting. And um, one of my uh, our colleagues in New Zealand was making a very astute observation at the end of last week that more often than not, the Fed delivers what the market is priced for at the meeting. So if we get head into the March meeting with the market better priced for 50 basis points, that in itself uh, implies that there's quite a high probability that will happen. So if the market pricing stays where it is and uh, Fed Chair Jay Powell uh, really believes that, that incremental 25 basis point moves is the way to go, um, there are going to have to be some some comments from him or other senior FMC members to that effect to get the market to, to pull back its expectations. But Esther George seemed to be saying that they could be doing more by prioritising bond sales over interest rates. I mean, she, she was worried that if they hold on to the bonds for too long, they're going to hold down long-term rates, which is going to impact longer-term lending. So, uh, so they should do more of. That. I mean, they can't do they can't do a lot of both at the same time because that would be disastrous. But I mean, that's a, that's another avenue forward, isn't it? Well, we don't know if it's going to be disastrous. And I think that's the thing. Central bankers mm. everywhere are going to be feeling in the dark. Um, you know, we've had one experience of so-called quantitative tightening from the Fed, obviously back in 2018, 2019, and that uh, that ended badly. I effectively, <coughs> excuse me, it ended sort of prematurely or certainly relative, I think, to where the Fed thought it was going to end up. And obviously, the Fed's balance sheet is, is multiple times bigger um, than it was prior to uh, 2018. And, um, you know, central banks extolling the virtues of the rise in the stock of bonds and the, uh, the you know, the, the cathartic effects that that's had on, on 
on, on markets and the economy. Um, so to turn around and say that, that trimming the balance sheet doesn't make any difference is, um, <clears throat> is a little bit... Um, hypocritical is probably too strong a word, but I think the fact is that central bankers don't know how it's going to work, but the idea that letting the balance sheet shrink, um, um, you know, more by design than accident, because clearly they won't allow all maturing bonds to simply roll off, the idea that there'll be these caps on the pace at which the balance sheet shrinks, I think is almost certainly the way that they will go. But, you know, the point is uh, that George is making is that, um, you know, the, the, the tightening that we need in order to bring inflation to heel doesn't necessarily necessarily have to be all through um, all through interest yeah. rates and the more we let the, the balance sheet shrink then potentially um, you know the less draconian will need to be the, the rate hikes that we see in yeah. the next year or two. Right, Christine Lagarde not worried <laughs> I mean, it's like she's on a not only in a different, a different country or a different continent but possibly a different planet because she is still there saying everything is still gradual as far as she's concerned they'll act when the time is right you know central banks, the, she said they need to be honest about what actually central Central banks can achieve at times like this. Well, no, that's that's entirely true, isn't it? As she said, we can't. Um Monetary policy can't uh, can't bring down oil prices. It can't heal supply chains. And then there's no, you know, <coughs> excuse me. There's no doubt that that is actually. You know, that, that is true. But, um, you know, at the same time, you know, we've got some signs of, uh, you know, of wages growth and the worries about inflation is, is you know, almost as high in, in the EU as it is in, in, in the US and the UK or certainly heading that way. Uh, and inflation expectations, the central bank man- mantra of inflation expectations being a, a main driver of sort of inflation over the medium term hasn't gone away. And, uh, you know, while inflation expectations are improving, it, it does mean that there is a role for monetary policy, even if, uh, you know, she could Correctly says it can't uh, it can't heal supply chains, but but yes, we've had quite a bit of pushback since um, Friday. We had an interview with the financial with the Irish central bank um, head, who's a member of the governing council at the weekend, who's considered to be probably been a very much a centrist, neither a hawk nor a dove, um, you know, and he was sort of really sort of saying that he thinks the market's got it wrong here or certainly doesn't think the ECB is going to need to act or will act as aggressively as markets are pricing. And he was specifically re- um, referencing the likelihood of a rate rise as early as June. Um, incidentally, the market's got about 25 basis points of tightening price by the end of September. The deposit rate going from uh, minus 50 basis points now to close to zero by the end of the year. So I think he was hamming it up a little bit, saying the market was thinking about rate rises as early as June. But the debate uh, that he framed, I think, is correct, is almost certainly the ECB will be giving renewed guidance on the future of its asset purchase program um, when it meets in March. And the debate really is that, well, when do we call time on that? Do we suggest it might run, it might blow out about a quarter earlier, say in Q3, or might they actually think that they're going to call time on it as early as the end of Q2? And that in turn, obviously, will set their hairs running in terms of the likelihood of when rates might actually lift off that uh, minus 0.5% uh, floor. So um, lots to play for there, but um, and there's clearly some very divided opinions within the governing well, council. If it doesn't work out, then uh, Christine Lagarde can always go and uh, be Prime Minister of France because apparently Emmanuel Macron's got uh, his eye on uh, for the, for that job. So uh, eventually, well, there we uh, go. She's well, she's got a very illustrious uh, CV already, hasn't she? Really, from uh, from <laughs> the French Foreign Ministry to the IMF to the ECB, maybe uh, yeah. President of yeah, France is the uh, is the pin- will be the pinnacle of her career. Who knows? Meanwhile, look, in, I mean, inflation is everywhere, isn't it? So New Zealand's annual food inflation has gone from four point five to five point nine. 
9% uh, annual rate in a month. Oh, we have inflation in India, almost 13%. In the Czech Republic, it's 10%. These are just the numbers we've seen over the last uh, last 24 hours. Uh, so uh, I guess uh, we did see it moderate a bit, didn't we, in the New York Fed survey of inflation expectations down 0.2% to 5.8%. So that's the only bit of good news. Uh, and we'll get US PPI, so we'll see what producers' prices are doing. Because if they're rising, obviously that's going to push through to CPI. But I mean, it's a it's a global problem. There's absolutely no doubt about that. No, absolutely. And uh, just going back to those New Zealand numbers, it certainly did have uh, a little bit of an impact on markets yesterday. So we had the services PMI um, went yeah. sort of deeply into contractionary territory from sort of close to 50 to closer to 45. Now, obviously, that effect yeah. that uh, picks up, um, you know, the impact of the um, of the uh, restrictions relating to the to the Omicron wave in uh, in New Zealand. But at the same time, we had food prices up more than two point uh, 2.3 or 2.7% on the month. And our uh, BNZ colleagues on the back of that have lifted their forecasts for CPI in Q1 to 6.6%. So um, pretty much mm-hmm. knocking on the door of, of the US inflation rate there. So, you know, the idea of a rising inflation, while, while clearly growth is, is being impacted, is... Stagflation. Um, stagflation. Prob- probably <laughs> probably too strong a word at this time of the morning, but uh, when people haven't had their cornflakes. But, um, um, but it's interesting that the New Zealand dollar was an underperforming currency yesterday, certainly uh, uh, vis-a-vis the Australian dollar, for example. So, um, you know, that idea that the, the RBNZ is going to have to push on with its tightening in the face of, uh, of a weakening economy, albeit one hopes uh, temporarily, um, you know, although obviously the restrictions there look like they'll be around for, for quite some time. And the, uh, you know, the reopening of borders is going to be a very, very long drawn out affair as well. Mm. So uh, that will have ongoing um, negative economic implications. So, um, well, last yeah, October, so, um, that stagflation word was trending on Google. It doesn't seem to be now. It seems to have died down a bit, but uh, maybe it'll pick up again. I mean, it is a, it is a bit of a concern, isn't it? No, absolutely. But uh, as I say, and, and, and going back to the discussion about interest rates and talking about curves, um, you know, we talked about it with um, with Tappers yesterday about the flattening that's coming through um, and the interesting point throughout this sort of uh, fear and, and loathing, whatever you want to call it, about how quickly um, central banks and particularly the Fed are going to be lifting rates over the course of this year um, is that the pricing for terminal policy rates, so how high eventually will um, the Fed in particular get rates before it stops, really haven't budged for well over three months now still sitting well south of 2%, the implication being that the market is still of the view um, that I mean, hasn't yet been proved right, but we don't have the counterfactual, that you know the, the, the faster the Fed moves to normalise policy, um, the more it's going to have the, have the effect of, of slowing economic growth. And obviously some of the lead indicators there, you know, particularly the sort of consumer confidence readings that we're getting, you know, are consistent with the idea that um, the Fed is not going to have to take rates all the way up to a sort of restrictive setting um, in order to get the economy slowing down and that in turn to be relieving yeah. some of the, um, the demand side of the, uh, the underlying sources of inflation. Because so, we're all so highly leveraged, of course, you know, that's... Uh, <laughs> It has a bigger impact, doesn't it? So what should we expect? We get uh, Japan's Q4 GDP today. Uh, what's that going to look like, given all the lockdowns they've been having? 
Well, it's going to look fantastic and it's going to flatter to deceive. This is the fourth quarter numbers and, uh, you know, Japan was actually wasn't in uh, too much by way of, uh, of Omicron-related uh, restrictions at that time. So we're actually looking for something like 1.5% on the quarter, so yeah. 6% annualised growth. Uh, and yet all the indications are that the Q1 um, is going to be a negative quarter, given that, uh, you know, they are in the grip of, of, of an Omicron wave. Right. Um, and all the indications are the economy is weak. So uh, I think those, those that in terms terms of a rear view mirror view of the economy and so something to be summarily ignored uh, i think that's the <laughs> right. way to look at to, to look at those numbers okay and uh, eurozone q4 gdp as well later on we also get the zoo survey so obviously not a great deal to feel confident about if you uh, live in germany right now no absolutely but, uh, but no but i think the main event uh, economic uh, wise at least will be we do get the rba minutes but i think we've had so much from the rba yeah. right lately they aren't going to touch the size of the market the us ppi expected to show some signs of moderation in the annual growth rates mm. um both in core terms and headline terms. And uh, so I think that will be a point of interest. And if we do see those numbers coming down, then uh, maybe the first glimmer of, of light that, uh, you know, we might only be a few months away from seeing a turn in the uh, the more important CPI inflation rates. And job numbers for the UK as well, I guess. The big question there is, are wages uh, going up? So watch out for that. But we'll leave it there for now. Yes, absolutely. Good okay. talk, Greg. Catch you next time. And that's it. That's Tuesday morning's Morning Call. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Well, thanks, Phil. Tomorrow. Phil.